Welcome to the Wellspring Community Church Podcast, where we exist to help real people find real hope in a real world. We hope today's message encourages you. Let's get into today's episode. We've been in the series called Paper to Person. Let me just recap for just a minute. Are you good? You here today? Everybody good? All right, so let me just recap. What we've been doing is we've been walking through the last seven days of the life of Jesus. Seven weeks ago, or seven days ago, if you look at it chronologically, he had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Slow down, Joey. Monday, he clears the temple. On Tuesday, he teaches on the Mount of Olives, big exegetical teaching on the Mount of Olives. On Wednesday, not a lot, but he actually rested in Bethany, Mary and Martha in Lazarus's house. He rested there. And then on Thursday, he had his final dinner with his disciples, uh, Eucharist, Lord's Supper, communion. He, he taught them that I'm gonna be gone tomorrow. I'm dying. That was Thursday. And then on Friday, was Good Friday, uh, we talked about the pain. It was finished, his payment, what he did on the cross, finished for us. And then today, I want to talk to you about Saturday, what happened while Jesus was in the grave. And so it's going to be a little bit theological, so just we're going to go there. And then in two weeks, we're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. So for all of you 12 that are excited about that, we'll keep rolling. For the rest of you... Go watch football or something. I don't know. All right? So here's the, here's the premise. I was studying the Gospels, and I added this up. Anybody with a half a brain can do this, but there are 89 chapters in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 89 chapters. What I found interesting is that there are only four chapters in all of the Gospels that talk about the first 30 years of Jesus' life. Four. Four which tells me that the vast majority of what Jesus wants us to know of 85 chapters is the last three and a half years of Jesus' life. It was the bulk. It was the the pinnacle of what it was. Now, what I found most fascinating in my entire study on this was that over a third, 29 chapters, actually had to do with the last seven days of Jesus' life. And so I thought, if the Bible gives this Uh, a platform moment, then the church needs to give this a platform moment. And so what we've done is we have walked you through every day of the last days of Jesus on planet earth. And so that is called Passion Week. Now, we're going to lean in on this day or Saturday. We're going to lean in on Saturday and There is not a lot of Bible verses on Saturday. There's a lot of debate on what happened on Saturday between Friday and Sunday. Um, But there are some things that the Bible tells us. And most importantly, I need you to know this, this stuff happened on Saturday. If you get nothing, get this. Jesus was not laying in the grave on Saturday. Okay, you you just need to know that. Uh, Luke chapter 23, listen to this. Between the crucifixion and the resurrection, Friday night, late Friday night into Saturday morning, we get this. Luke chapter 23 says this. Now there was a good man. If you remember last week I said I wanted to give you this, and so I'm giving it to you. Here it is. Now there was a good man, a righteous man named Joseph, and he was a member of the Jewish high council. 
But he had not agreed with the decisions and the actions of the other religious leaders. Pause, time out, what is happening? This guy Joseph didn't agree with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the Roman leaders crucifying Jesus. They were, he was convinced that Barabbas should have been the one that was crucified and Jesus should have been the one that would let go. Six trials, Jesus goes on, they find him innocent. And Joseph is kind of scratching his head going, I just don't agree with what just happened. I don't agree with it. And he went from town, he, went from the, he was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was, read this with me, he was what? He was, he was what? Joseph was doing what? What was he doing? One more time, he was, yeah, he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Verse 51. He went to Pilate, Jesus is dead, the crowd is gone. He goes to Pilate and he says, Pilate, can you give me Jesus' body? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us whether Pilate gave permission, it just gives us a period and we move right on. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in the long sheet of linen cloth and laid Jesus in this new tomb, a borrowed tomb. It had not been carved out of the rock and this was done late on Friday. Most likely after 10, 11, 12 o'clock into the wee hours of Saturday morning. And the day of preparation, preparation, what is the day of preparation? As the Sabbath was about to begin. Time out, here's what's happening. Friday night is over, Jesus has been crucified, and now they're getting ready to go into the day of waiting. The waiting day. How many of you love to wait? Nobody. Sabbath is happening. It's the day of preparation. Jesus goes into the borrowed tomb, and we find ourselves smack between the pain on Friday and the promise on Sunday. Now listen, many of you, you're sitting right now in Saturday. You, you know God has said you're gonna get pregnant. You know God has said you're gonna get married. You, you know God says you're gonna get on the other side of that. You know God's gonna deliver on whatever it is that you've wanted him to deliver on, and you know it. You know the promise is coming. You've walked through the pain of Friday, but if you're honest like I'm honest, we are sitting in the in-between of Saturday. The waiting game. The, if you could hurry this thing up, Jesus, that wouldn't hurt my feelings. You could say it this way. There is always a gap between the pain and the promise. Always. You know God's gonna show up. You know scriptures that say he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. But I've come to church to tell somebody today, not only is the, the God of the alpha, the beginning, and the God of the omega, the end, but he's also the God of the middle. That he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever, that no matter what season you're in, he is still that same God. Now listen, but I understand we live in America. It's the country of the Instapot and the pressure cooker and the Uber Eats. Come on, somebody. And the Amazon Prime. Have no idea how this company is figured out even before I click the last click, they're knocking at my door with the delivery. Come on, somebody. I don't get it. 
What do you mean? I haven't even clicked the last click. It's now. Give it to me. Now, now, now. I'm here to tell somebody, I don't know what you're going through. You may need to leave church early, so I need to tell you this. God is working while you're waiting. God is working while you're waiting. God does his best work in your waiting season. So what's God doing on Saturday? What's Jesus doing? What? Is he dead? Is he sleeping? Is he wiping his eyes? Like, what's Jesus doing? Because if we're not careful, it would be easy for us to just assume he's just lying in a borrowed tomb. Now, let me just go on to say this to you. There is a, I spent probably six to seven hours between over the last month studying so many different views of what happened on Saturday. I mean, there's a lot of theology on what happened on Saturday. There, there is a, 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 a stream of a Christians that talk about Saturday and they believe uh, that Jesus went to hell and he actually preached there so that the Old Testament Christians could be resurrected. And I just studied it. I just, I just don't see enough there to believe that. And so here's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Jesus was not in the tomb on Saturday. Jesus was confronting hell and he was confronting death. He looked Satan eyeball to eyeball and he says, no more. I'm finishing this once and for all. We know that for sure. Um, couple verses Ephesians chapter 4 says this he speaking of Jesus he also descended into the lowly earthly regions that Jesus on that Saturday went to hell he went to hell he was there we know beyond beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was there and there was conversations while he was there first Peter chapter 3 says this that for Christ also suffered once for sins and the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death. We know that in the body, but he was still made alive in the spirit after being made alive. He woke up. He woke up. He, he wasn't laying in the grave on Saturday. He went and made a proclamation to what? To the imprisoned spirits. What is the Bible telling us? That there's a lot of opinions on exactly what Jesus did. But we know that Jesus was not laying in the tomb. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was confronting hell, death, and the grave once and for all. Now, again, I realize some of you, if you grew up in a Catholic background or if you grew up in more of an Orthodox background, uh, you know that part of the liturgies of the old, for 1,500 years, part of the liturgies of the old was uh, to memorize and to quote these creeds, the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. And, and I know it's not the Bible, and I'm not trying to add this to the Bible in no form, shape, or reason, but I do want you to know that even for 1,500 years, Christians and Jesus' followers have actually quoted daily, multiple times a day, that Jesus went to hell on Saturday. A lot of people, and I'm just, just telling you, there's a lot of Christian beliefs that actually believe that Jesus had to go to hell and experience hell to fully take the weight of sin on. 
I don't really line up that way. I think it was finished on the cross when Jesus said it is finished, but I'm okay if you believe that. The point I'm trying to make to you is this. There's no way for me to stand on the stage and give you 100% in accurate detail exactly what happened on Saturday, so I'm gonna give you what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. So part of the Apostles' Creed says this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of the heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, the Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin Mary. I'm not not minimizing it. I'm just trying to get to a point here. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. And listen to this. Every single day they would quote this. And then what did he do after he's buried? He descended, where? Into hell. On the third day, he rose up again. He descended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty. And from there, he will come. Once again, it's the second coming. I'm doing a series, by the way, after Easter. I'm talking all all completely about what will happen when Jesus returns again. Do not miss it. How do we prepare for Jesus' return? I'm doing a three-week study on the second coming of Jesus. Don't miss it. But there will be, there will come, and he will come, and he will judge the living and the dead. Again, not the Bible, but it's the liturgy and the literacy that we've grown accustomed to learning. So can I ask you a question? If Jesus went to the grave, I went to to hell, Sheol. It's what another word for hell is, to Sheol, the place of Sheol. If Jesus went to hell, what did he do when he was there? Did he, did he rescue the Old Testament? Did he, did he actually have to take up uh, uh, all of sin? What did he do? Here's what we know beyond a shadow of a doubt because the Bible tells us. In Colossians chapter two, here's what we know that Jesus did. On Saturday, in this way, and I promise you, I'm gonna be done with this in just a second. I'm gonna be real practical. So just bear with me. Is this okay? Okay. Um, in this way, here's what we know he did on Saturday. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly because of his victory on the cross. Here's what we know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Jesus went to hell to disarm what hell was armed with. So hell was armed on that Saturday morning. Bible tells us. Jesus, between Friday and Sunday, pain and promise, he went to hell and he disarmed hell with the weapons that hell possessed. What did they have? That's a great question, is it not? Because if he disarmed them, what did he disarm them from? Well, the good news is, 70 years from what we're in right now, the resurrection, 70 years, 80, 70, 80 years, somewhere around that, after the resurrection, the apostle John is on the island of Patmos. He's been exiled to the island of Patmos. And he receives a revelation. That's where we get the book, Revelation. And he gets a revelation from Jesus resurrected Jesus, and Jesus tells John, which we get in our Bible, what he disarmed hell with on Saturday. Can I show it to you? Okay, here it is. Revelation chapter one, the Bible says this. And this is John talking. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. Now, why is this? Why did John 
passed out. The reason why John passed out is because he saw Jesus in his resurrected form. The Bible tells us that resurrected Jesus has eyes like fire, hair like wool, and there's a sword coming out of his mouth. Now, if you saw somebody like that, you'd pass out too. Because I guarantee you, most of us, when we picture Jesus, we don't picture him that way. So John saw him in his resurrected state. And if you get nothing, listen to me, if you get nothing, this is what I want you to get today on this Saturday of waiting. Here's what he did. Here's what Jesus did on Saturday. Is he told John and he tells us today, he fell at his feet and he laid his right hand on me and this is what he said on Saturday. Do not be afraid. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear hell. You don't have to fear the consequences. Do not be afraid, Jesus said. I am the first and the last. I am the one who lives. I was dead and behold, poof, I'm alive forever and ever, amen. Jesus amens himself. He must have been preaching to an 8 a.m. service on that day. Because Jesus is preaching, and I was dead, and I'm alive, and I'm alive forevermore, and the church went crickets. And Jesus said, if you ain't gonna amen me, I'll amen myself, amen. And this is what he did, this is what he stole. This is why you don't have to be afraid. Because I, I don't know how I can do more services than this. I'm too hyper. And I have, I have. You no longer possess. I have, I have. Jesus says, I now have. I now own the keys of Hades, Sheol, and of death. I own it. I own it. I own it all. You don't need to be afraid. I know you've waited for fill in the blank years. I know you've waited, but you don't have to be afraid because Jesus has overcome death, hell, and the grave. And the key now belongs in his pocket. It's his. It reminds me of um, the book of Daniel. I'm probably, I'm kind of leaning into next year's series and I'm probably gonna do a series. I did it, I think when we first year we started the church, I did a series in Daniel and I think I feel, feel in my spirit doing that again. It's a very prophetic Old Testament book. And I just wanna show you something really quick, quick out of Daniel. Uh, what's interesting is we fast, we call it a Daniel fast and we fast for 21 days. We call it the 21 day Daniel fast. And I think for many of us, you have, we have no idea why. We're like, why did Daniel fast for 21 days? Why not three days and seven days or 14 days? Or why did Daniel fast for 21 days? Well, it's biblically, biblically evident when you study it, why Daniel fasted. Can I read it to you? Are you sure? So what happens is Daniel is fasted for 21 days and nothing happens. Nothing happens. He's worshiping and praying and believing and trusting and serving and nothing happens. And on day 21, an angel knocks on the door of his heart and an angel says this. Don't miss this. Daniel chapter 10. Same Greek word. Hebrew, Greek. 
And he said to me, this is an angel on behalf of God coming to Daniel, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid that you've waited. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day, by the way, let me just give you just a little bit. There are three angels mentioned in the Bible, just, just food for thought. You can, whatever. The first, the, the first is um, Lucifer. Uh, Lucifer was over worship. Second was uh, Gabriel. Gabriel was the announcement angel. He's the one, that's the angel that came and said, Mary, you're gonna give birth to Jesus. And then there's Michael. And Michael, so this is the announcement angel. And then Michael, Michael was the warring angel. He would come when it was a war happening. And by the way, can I just say this to you? Those are the three things we do in church. We worship, we pray, and we war. That's what we do. And so he says, um, from the first day you started warring. From the first day you said, I need breakthrough in this area. From the first day you said, I'm not gonna eat, I'm gonna trust the Lord. That you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard and I have come because of your faithfulness. Because you didn't give up. Because you kept praying. Because you kept believing. Because you kept trusting. Because you didn't throw in the towel. Because you kept going for 21 days. Now I'm coming because of your faithfulness. Can I tell you what Saturday means? Saturday means, Saturday reminds us that while we are waiting, Jesus is warring. That while you're waiting, listen to me, Jesus was not inactive in humanity on Saturday. And just as important as his crucifixion and just as important as his resurrection was the fact that he stole back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. No longer does Satan and his demonic forces own the rights to who goes to hell. No longer, no longer, no longer, no longer. See, Saturday reminds us that while you're in a waiting period, God, Jesus is warring for you. Let me just say this to you, and I wish I had time to go on to this, but I have seven minutes left and four points left. It's not gonna get done. But let me say this to you. I need you to get this. What was happening to Daniel? Do you know it? Does anybody know it? Does anybody study Daniel? Go study it, because what was happening for Daniel is he's, Worshiping and praying and worshiping and praying and worshiping and praying and worshiping and praying and he's worshiping and praying and he's getting a little bit discouraged because nothing is happening. And finally, when the angel, go read it, I don't have time to give it to you. The angel knocks on his door and what the angel says is this, don't be afraid. And here's what he says. This is a word for somebody. That while you're waiting and you're worshiping and you're doing, while you're, this is true, go read it. The angel comes to Daniel and he says, hey, listen, you don't know this because it's happening on the other side of town, but God and all of his angelic forces have been destroying the prince of Persia on the other side of town 
And if you would have got what you wanted breakthrough on day six, the prince of Persia would have came and tried to take away the promise. And so what I need you to know, the angel tells Daniel, what I need you to know is this, that if we don't destroy the prince of Persia, you can't fulfill the promise in a long-term state. Can I just tell you something today? That while you are waiting, Jesus is destroying the princes of Persia in your life so that when you give it, you, when he gives it to you, you have longevity in the getting make sense does that make sense all right let me get practical with you i'm gonna give it to you quickly so what do you do if you're on day six cookies bottom shelf now quickly i think there's two thoughts about waiting and two thoughts about warring so if this is true that saturday reminds us that while we're waiting that jesus is warring it reminds us that we need to be an active participator in the waiting and the warring hello Am I talking to anybody? He doesn't need you sitting on the couch eating bonbons and, and Netflixing your favorite show. He needs you to be an active participator in this waiting and warring. So how do we wait? Number one is we always wait patiently. Now let me just say this to you. I have zero moral authority to teach you about patience. Zero. I have no patience. I am speeding even when I'm not late. I am in a hurry even when I'm not late. So I can't stand on the stage and tell you, follow me as I follow Christ. Because homeboy doesn't know how to be patient. But Abraham does. Abraham, in the Old Testament, God says, look up to the stars. No, yeah, stars, 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 look. Your descendants, no. Your descendants, no. Your descendants, no. Yeah, your descendants are gonna outweigh the stars of the sky. He had no kids, no way, no way. And here's what happened, and here's what happens for you on day six when you're in a, when you're in a waiting season. If you're not careful, you'll actually try to speed up the promise and you'll birth Ishmael's instead of Isaac's. So what I need you to do is to allow God to finish his work as he's killing the prince of Persia so that you don't birth Ishmael, so that you birth Isaacs. So they didn't do that. They birthed an Ishmael. It's actually the division that we have in the Middle East right now. Finally, Abraham got it right, got it right, figured it out. And so Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter six, this is what was said about his life. Then Abraham waited patiently. And after a long road, he received what God had promised. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. This is not gonna go on your, on your refrigerator. Nobody puts this verse on the refrigerator, but I'm convinced that every Saturday living people right now need to put this on their refrigerator. I'm waiting for breakthrough, I'm waiting for breakthrough, I'm waiting for breakthrough. Put it on your refrigerator. Can I get an amen? And know this, know this, that when something is happening to you, God always wants to do something in you. The most practical book in the entire Bible, I would even go so far to say it's more practical than Psalms and Proverbs, is the book of James. The book of James says this, you wanna speed up the test? Well, it'd be great if you'd speed this thing up. I'd figure it out a lot quicker if you'd speed it up. Here's the end of the test. Here's how you get to the end of the test. Here's how you get to, to the end of the waiting period is you live out James chapter one, verse four, 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 that says, let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, 
and complete. And in that moment, you won't need anything. So what happens is, if God does something in you, oh, do not miss this. Hercules, 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 do not miss this. So if you allow God to do the work in you, you'll get to day 21 and you'll forget about actually what you wanted because it wasn't on the outside, it was the work that needed to be done on the inside because if God does the work on the inside, it changes what you desire on the outcome. All right, so we wait patiently. Is that okay? Can we do that? Here's the second thing we do, we wait hopefully, we hope hopefully. We're not chicken littles. Sky's falling, the sky's falling, oh my goodness. Life's falling apart. We're not Eeyores. Well, I'm just getting through, just, just buying my time. Yeah, whatever. Just not storing up treasures on earth. No, no, no. My Bible says that you and I are supposed to bring heaven to earth. So all the joy that heaven has, all the hope that heaven has, we got to bring it to earth. Are you hearing me? Hebrews 10 says this. Let me read these to you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. And when you will receive all that he has promised. And this will happen in just a little while. Now, here's the problem. I got to tell you this because, listen, if you're not careful, you need to know that the Bible says that a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. So don't. Don't get too hopeful that a little while is like an hour. Like just a little while. It's about an hour-ish, I think, hour-ish, a couple days. No. So his timing's not our timing. I don't know why that laugh. Every time I read that verse, I laugh. The coming one will come and he will not delay. Verse 38 for 38. Some of y'all didn't think that was funny at all. And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who what? Who doesn't live hopeful. And we are not like those who turn away from God to their own. Here's the simple message. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on your kids, your marriage, your business, your future. Do not give up. Why? Because Galatians 6, 9 says that there's a harvest of blessings for those who what? Don't give up. Two things. Here we go. Keys can come out whenever you want. Here's the second thing. So not only are going to wait, we're going to wait patiently and we're going to wait hopefully. But we're also going to war. We're going to be an active participator in the war. Here's the way we're going to war. We're going to war consistently. So can I just encourage somebody? On day one, when you st stand up and you go, I'm going to get in the Bible every single day. I'm going to come to church every single week. I'm, I'm going to serve and I'm going to get my green shirt. And you do it on day one. Here's what Jesus is telling us. When you get to day 21, do the same thing you did on day one. And too many people sit in my office and they go, I don't know what to do. I'm like, you need to go back to do what you did on day one. How did you live your first life as a saved Christian? If you're in a weird season, go back to how you lived day one. Worship and pray. Go to church. Get your kids in church. If you make church an option now for your kids, church will be an option for your kids at 25 when their marriage is struggling. Get them into church. Raise them in church. Nobody, my mom didn't ask me if I wanted to go to church. She said, get your butt up and get dressed. I got my pantyhose on and my trident gum in my purse. It's church time. It's church time. You know what we called it? Church gum. I said, mom, can I have some church gum? She goes, you don't get church gum unless you're in church. 
Raise your kids in church. Raise them. So we're in a war consistently. Here's what you need to know about prayer. Prayer is not just communion with God, it's confrontation of the devil. It's confronting the devil. Why? Because 2 Corinthians says, we don't live by worldly ways. We don't knock down strongholds by using worldly weapons. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And we capture every rebellious thought and what? We make it obedient to Christ. Are you hearing me today? So can I just tell somebody, you're on, day, you're on day six, you're in a waiting period and you're discouraged and you're defeated and you feel like Eeyore and Chicken Little and going, oh my God, uh, just go back to day one. I can promise you, if you think of yourself less, you'll actually think of Jesus more. Here's the second thought, we're done. Is you better war confidently. How do we war confidently? I'll tell you, because you, say me, you have the name of Jesus. You know, de demonic forces must run at the name of Jesus. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Can I show it to you? Philippians chapter two says this, he humbled himself. He became obedient to the grave. He is the name above all names. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord in the earth, under the earth, and above the earth. Everybody at some point in their eternal existence will say, Jesus is Lord. Can I just tell you, it's better to say that now before you take 10 floors down to the next level. It's better to say it now. And it reminds me of that old song we used to sing, what a wonderful name. The name of Jesus. It's a powerful name. It's a beautiful name. I love this lyric. It says like this. What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. Listen to me. It's the name of Jesus. the name of Jesus so when you're on day six you speak the name of Jesus or what we're gonna do right now we're gonna sing the name of Jesus what a wonderful name it is what a wonderful name it is the name of Jesus Christ my what a wonderful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. And you have no rival. Come on, declare this. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Come on. And yours is the kingdom. And yours is the glory. And yours is the name above all. Oh, come on, you have no rival. 
and you have no rival and you have no equal now and forever god you reign and yours is the kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name above all names what a powerful name it is come on let, let jesus hear you what a powerful name it is the name of jesus what a powerful name it is nothing can stand what a powerful name it is, the name. Come on, what a powerful name. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. So what do you do on day six? You wait patiently and you war consistently. You do exactly what Jesus did. You get up out of that grave and you say, I'm going to go after hell and I'm going to steal back the keys of the devil in my life. No more, no more, no more, no more, no more, no more. So stay standing. If we can get the house lights up, stay standing. We're going to stay in the same posture, just like this. I'm going to ask you to be brave and bold. How many of you in this room, you would say, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I do not know the name of Jesus. I don't know where I would spend eternity if today was my last day on this planet. And I want you to show me how I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus in heaven is my permanent home. So pastor, would you show me how to do that? How many of you would be bold and courageous and not give a fly and flip who's next to you and care what they think about you? And you throw your hand up in the air as quick as you can and say, that's me. I need to know how to get to heaven when I die. How many of you would say that? Come on, how would you throw your hand up in the air and say that's you? Anybody, see anybody? Help me, where at, where at? Help me. Where are you at? I see you, sir, is it a sir? I see you, sir. I'm so proud of you. Give this man a big round of applause. Proud of you, proud of you. I see you, both of you right here. Hey, can I tell you, there's nothing more manly than what you're doing right now. Saying, I need Jesus. Where at, where at? I see you, I see you, I see you. Who else? I see you. So here's what we're gonna do. All over the room, every voice. We're gonna say it together and we're gonna join in with you. We're gonna join in with you because the Bible says that when one receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, all of heaven rejoices. And if we're to bring heaven to earth, then we get to be part of heaven. So every voice, are you ready? Come on, every voice. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Do for me what I can't do for myself. I give you my sin and I receive salvation. Thank you for adopting me as your kid in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about Wellspring Community Church, visit our website at wellspringfl.com. And if you're in the Tampa Bay area, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend services. We'll see you in the next episode.